Good morning, listeners. My name is Patrick Shanigant, and you are listening to Ornithology Weekly on CDC Radio 1. The latest bird news, facts, and findings every Saturday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. But before you listen, there's something I'd like you to hear. Those cheeky chirps were just made by a buff-breasted flycatcher. The scientific name for the buff-breasted flycatcher is Empidonax fulvifrons. Empidonax means buff-breasted fly, and fulvifrons means catcher. These birds migrate between the high mountain ranges of Arizona and Mexico. They are very rare birds, and I haven't been able to see any in person, but I have friends who know people who have said they've seen them. The last time I was in Arizona, I tried in earnest to catch a glimpse of the buff-breasted flycatchers on each of my many bird walks, but I was not lucky. I spent many walks peering out from under the brim of my tilly hat, scanning the branches. I saw all kinds of flycatchers, but none were buff-breasted. I spotted the ash-throated flycatcher, brown-crested flycatcher, dusky flycatcher, dusky-capped flycatcher, greater peewee, scissor-tailed flycatcher, sulfur-bellied flycatcher, Pacific slope flycatcher, olive-sided flycatcher, and the vermilion flycatcher. I ended my bird walks dismayed at the lack of buff-breasted flycatchers, but I was pleased with the absence of flies in the area. The main courtship ritual of the buff-breasted flycatcher is really cute. The male and female will fly around together and look for suitable nesting sites, so like us. The only difference is when it is time to build the nest, it's the female who builds it. Hear that, girls? If buff-breasted flycatchers are flipping traditional gender roles, so can you. Imagine watching the Home and Garden Network where the roles were changed and the man incessantly bossed around his wife who built everything. She would roll her eyes and keep sawing away while he waited till the end and painted one chair and explained that he's the boss. All the while, their little herd of Mormon children sit off camera staring at iPads. I have to admit I am jealous that the buff-breasted flycatchers get to enjoy the experience of picking out a home. I was not so fortunate. When my father died, he left me this house, the cottages, and a handful of rental properties. I didn't get to choose any of this. I was shackled with the responsibility of being a landlord at the vulnerable age of 38. Once a week I have to check in with the building managers and it gives me great stress. It takes me the rest of the week to recover. Oh, to be a bird free of all responsibilities. The buff-breasted flycatcher builds its nests out of spiderwebs, rootlets, leaves, The outsides are decorated with lichens, leaves, 
flakes of bark, and feathers. They line it with fine grasses, feathers, and pine needles. When I read this information, I found it so interesting that the nest materials were the same as the ingredients for the special salt spring blend tea that my neighbor Gladys makes and sells at the farmer's market. My guest this week has just finished writing a book on the buff-breasted flycatcher and is a guest lecturer at the University of Victoria and the University of British Columbia. She also happens to be my neighbor. It is so nice to welcome Dr. Evelyn Crabtree back to the studio. Thanks for being here, doctor. Thanks for having me, Patrick. What was it like to study the buff-breasted flycatcher? Well, every bird presents a unique challenge Birds can be found in almost every biome on Earth, even the most extreme. There are no birds at the bottom of the ocean, though. In 1999, I led a team of researchers to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, where we were able to confirm there was no presence of ornithological life. What an expedition! Yes, it was. In light of that, my travels to study the buff-breasted flycatcher were not too difficult. The main challenge was the altitude that these birds nest at. Oh yes, I've read they live in the mountains mostly. Indeed, usually over 6,000 feet. So, to acclimatize properly, I stayed at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel on Dove Mountain in Arizona for three weeks. I love that hotel. I've stayed there many times on many of my bird excursions. When searching for mountain birds, I like to stay near the peaks when I'm searching for beaks. <laughs> the birds are nowhere near the peaks, though. I know. I'm just trying to be jolly. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, your humor and energy is what makes this one of my favorite programs. Thank you, Doctor. You are too kind. This is one of Ken's favorite shows, too. He was telling me that you can get quite emotional about your love of birds. He says it really inspires him. Really? Ken said this? When? Over dinner last night. You had dinner with Ken last night. Oh, how nice. I'm glad you two are getting along. Anyway, back to the buff-breasted friend snatcher. I mean flycatcher, sorry. Did you make any significant discoveries about the behavior of this bird during your research? Yes, in fact. We discovered that the buff-breasted flycatcher almost always nests at exactly 25 feet above the ground. There is rarely any variation in that exact height. Incredible! How did you discover this? It sort of happened by chance. We were hoping to photograph flycatcher nests up close, but we didn't have the budget for ladders, so we had three grad students stand on each other's shoulders, like a wobbly human totem pole, to get close enough to the nest. By using three students that were identical in height, we made it easier to measure how high the nests were. That is brilliant, but I have to ask, why didn't you just use a tape measure? Well, unfortunately I forgot to bring one along, but the cost of gas to drive back into town was higher than just using three of the 24 grad students I had with me. Very resourceful. When is your book coming out? What is it called? The book is called The Flycatcher in the High, The Buff-Breasted Flycatcher. It will be available next year at the UVic and UBC bookstores and libraries. 
Thanks for speaking with me today, Doctor. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Well, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy birthday. day.